Second. Honey, honey, there's a hot topic. Oh, God damn it. Pull, pull the fucking car over. I gotta buy some fucking drip pants. Cha-cha-cha, delicious. Welcome back to the March and Mitch Show, starring Celine Santa's Pond. Today, we're going to talk to Salem's very own Jesse Timolo and his band Save Bandit, learning about their different pop-punk stories, uh, Ernest's uh, growing ups in Salem, as well as learning more about Jesse's personal history, as well as his uh, ever-growing urge to defend pop punk. And then we're also going to talk to Selena Mitchell and Jesse as well at the end of the show about recent happenings uh, at the Capitol in the United States and all the irony and craziness that shrouds our country. This is the March and Mitch show starring Celine Santis Bond. Uh, well, welcoming up now to the mic. Let's give it up for Jesse Tumala from Save Bandit. Hold, hold on. He's not oh. at the mic. Oh, okay. Hold on. Okay. Well, I mean, let's let's introduce him first a little bit more. I mean, before okay. we start this this party. Yeah, no worries. Uh, first of all, like I know I've known Jesse for a couple of years. We started work at the little exact same day. <laughs> same orientation? Yeah, yeah. We had the same training class and everything. So I've known Jesse for a minute, and I didn't know he was in a band. I knew he was the most authentic punk I've ever met, <laughs> but I didn't know he was in a band. It makes sense. I never questioned it, but it was funny, you know, meeting you years later. Uh, Mr. Marchuski, and then finding out that you two knew each other through, you know, the local punk grunge uh, scene. So that was pretty cool. And so we just listened to the song. Super good. Looking forward to mm -hmm. hearing your guys' thoughts on it. And then, um, yeah, that's pretty much that's pretty much it. Yes. <laughs> We're right back at it again. And it's always a pleasure to feature and promote the local artists here in our Salem music scene. Uh, joining me today with Celine Santa's Pond is none other than my good friend. This is Jesse Tumalo, the front man for Safe Bandit. He's the Earl of Emotional Hardcore. He's the crown prince of pop punk. Let's give it up for Jesse, guys. Yay. I, I, don't, I don't know if I can really live up to that introduction, but thank you very much. By the power of positivity, <laughs> keep it posy, and you hey. and you will. Uh, Jesse Tumalo is the lead singer for Save Bandit. I actually met Jesse Tumalo while perusing the local Walmart <laughs> late at night after a shift at the local Applebee's, and I saw that he was wearing a Man Overboard sweatshirt. So of course I had to go over. Oh my God! There's actual like real alternative punk rock people that live in Salem, Oregon. Like what the fuck? And uh, after just having a cool like jaunted encounter, we slowly became friends. We had a good uh, uh, meet up at our at my New Year's party, the Marchuski New Year's party that I throw every year. Uh, we have been just following each other's bands and growing up as uh, just as good friends, brothers and musicians and bettering ourselves through the power of punk rock inspiration and keeping it posy 100. Um, Jesse Timolo, what was it like growing up as a punk rock kid in Salem OR? Uh Good and bad. I mean, are you originally so, from Salem? So no, I'm actually uh, born in San Diego, California. Uh, though I've lived here since I was like nine. Uh, okay, so yeah, grew up <clears throat> Kaiser here mainly. Yeah, most, yeah, mainly. I consider Salem my hometown. Like, word. I don't even really remember San Diego aside from like my best friend who lived across the street from me. Like, that's the pretty much the only memory. And who knows where he is now. I have no idea, um, <laughs> but it was uh, it was cool growing up here. Uh, there was this venue um, that I used to go to. I guess it still technically exists, or did they tear down the Ike Box yet? Have they teared, Have they torn down the Ike Box yet? Shit. I think it's still. There. I don't know. I haven't been. I, think, I checked. It's still there. I think the building's been um, sold. Like it, it exists, but I'm pretty sure like the rights got sold or the ownership got sold. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was hanging out at shows pretty much since I was like 12. I uh, my dad passed away when I was pretty young, and uh, pretty much I didn't want to think about it. So. It was, uh, I made friends with some kids at school who went to shows all the time. So I started going to shows at the Ike Box, um, sneaking into shows at the Ike Box. <laughs> like just every, every night that I could, I was there cause I didn't want to be home. Um, and yeah, no, like that's where it kind of started. I guess like my, my childhood was wanting to make music cause my dad was a musician and, uh, he taught me how to play guitar when I was a kid. Uh, and then I just spent most of my time kind of when I was a teenager being a little rambunctious asshole, um, <laughs> going to a lot of shows, uh, pretty much, you know, like kissing any girl that would kiss me. <laughs> <laughs> lots of, um, lots of PBR and fucking hardcore shows and watching yeah. a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Tons of metal and hardcore. Um, and then I discovered like, uh, pop punk because, uh, I was like, you know, 12, 13 and hearing Green Day on the radio, right? Like, Fuck yeah. I always oh. got to blame. Like, Green Day is, like, who I, why I am who I am now, right? Um, growing up, listening to them a bunch. 
Um, and then they were kind of like the doorway that got me into hardcore punk. And people, when they hear that, they're like, what? And I was like, well, yeah, like I listen to Green Day. And then that, you know, Green Day was close enough to stuff like No Effects and bands like that. Mm-hmm. that that's when I finally got like super into like the hardcore punk. And I just remember spending hours and hours like on my computer um, when, I, when I was a kid and like on super slow ass internet, just downloading songs. Mm-hmm. Um, please don't sue me. Uh, <laughs> tons and tons of songs on my computer um, and just like learning about new bands and getting into all this stuff. And that was like what I did when I was younger. And then picking up a guitar, I wrote my first song when I was like 12. So before, yeah. right before my dad passed away, I wrote my first song. It was about uh, the girl I, I was like infatuated with. <laughs> uh, it was a very good 12 year old debut song. Yeah. And about how I was like irritated that she didn't like me <laughs> very much. Yeah. 12 years old. Unrequited love. Yeah. Ooh. You know, I actually wrote a short story when I was about 12. That was basically <laughs> that same theme. I was in love with my best friend's older brother and I just never understood why Tom didn't love me. <laughs> I feel that. I feel that. Um, yeah, and then as I got a little bit older, I started writing songs. I guess like the first few songs that I wrote, I was just trying to be poetic. And it's funny because uh, Michael, uh, who I was helping out earlier. Shout today, out to Michael Armstrong. Hope you're doing well, brother. Um, he really loves like the songs I wrote back when we were kids. Like he, Fuck th- yeah. Those are his favorite songs. And I'm always like, dude, I've, I've grown so much as an artist. I've grown so much as an artist now. And he's like, yeah, but still those are bops. Like I really like those <laughs> songs. They still bop right in the right in the preteen childhood. Yeah, you can, <laughs> if you dig far enough, you can find them on MySpace. They're still there. But I'm not oh. going to tell you where to look. Oh, the beauty of the internet for uh, for our listeners joining us today, pretty soon here, we're going to talk to you about Jesse's new song, which is John the Cougar Mellencamp from yeah. his band Save Bandit. Uh, for my fans and listeners, and Jesse's fans and listeners, I would say that Save Bandit's music to me reminds me a lot of like the you know the night we met, Man Overboard, a lot of Kerplunk era, Green Day, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of Upsides era, Wonder Years, and lots and lots and lots of what I refer to as like the sad boy pop punk movement <laughs> that me and Jesse really vibe with. Uh, so what was life like in like 2010 to 2011 back when we were getting bands like the Wonder Years, Man Overboard, Transit, the story so far? Do you remember what like that time period was like for you? And do you feel like that kind of propelled uh, Save Bandits music style a bit? I know Jeremiah is really into bands like State Champs and Carissa really likes bands like Neck Deep. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's an interesting thing to bring up because actually around that time, like 2010 ish, I had just recently graduated high school, um, and the music that I was into around that time, which has definitely molded me into who I am again, still uh, was more like the indie punk rock scenes. Um, I actually didn't really get into that more sad boy pop punk stuff until about like maybe 2015, 2016. I was a little late to the um, to the indie, and um, in fact. Uh, I might be telling this story totally out of my ass, but it was What's told. Good? There's a guy named, uh, I'm, I'm sure this dude named Jared could maybe back me up because he's the one that told me this. I don't remember it very well. But apparently, uh, Man Overboard had played at a local venue like when they were nothing, like when they were barely anything. I think it was like 2013. In Salem? Yeah. Oh, um, word. Okay. This is the owner of the venue is the one that told me this story. I was at that show, but this was around a time where I was never actually at the show. I was more so outside, like chain smoking cigarettes and <laughs> um, occasionally drinking bags of wine. Um, Space bag. Yeah. Hey! <laughs> and I, uh, I remember um, seeing this like pop punk band. Uh, this is like in a. I was in a place where like everybody was like making fun of me for liking pop punk. Like it was not cool in my punk scene to like it. Um, I was that nerd who liked Green Day and Blink-182 and everybody's listening to like, we're listening in dystopia. And you know, like I, I, I never got into that kind of like punk rock as much. And uh, apparently Man Overboard had played a show there and, and I was there um, completely not interested at all. In fact, like not even caring. And then a few years later I had discovered them uh, because of, one song I heard that got stuck in my car because he goes, um, I left my heart with my phone in my center console. And I heard that <laughs> and I was just like, that's fucking great. And I think, um, but you can honestly blame the wonder years about 2013 yeah. would be not just completely switch topics. Go back to kind of your question. It's more yeah. like 2013. Um, the wonder years was like this thing. My friend, um, introduced me to them. Uh, shout out to Colby. What's up, dude. You're probably not going to listen to this. Anyway, <laughs> I, haven't heard, I haven't talked to him in a while, but um, he had showed me them. Um, and then like that song came out swinging was like 
my life at that point. Like Fuck my yeah. life at that time was that song. So um, that really molded me into like what I listen to now. Like that was like the transition point where I went from like indie punk rock stuff, uh, like super hardcore indie, not listening to really anything in that except for um, like folk punk and shit like they that. They call a lot of that movement. I, I call it sad boy pop punk, but a lot of us mm-hmm. throw the term easy core out there. I like that term. Yeah, easy core. I like that. I haven't heard that before. <laughs> It's just not full blown like hardcore punk, but it's also not something like to you know treacherously like want to tr- just fucking beat down metal in the pit and <laughs> stuff. <laughs> tell us about the new song. Okay, um, so uh, it's kind of awkward, but I guess I'll tell the story. So, uh, that song uh is about like basically uh being in a relationship with someone. Uh, or sort of like understanding that like a relationship is ending and that person is going through like a lot of emotional uh, like heavy things like right Mm -hmm. Um, I wrote it as I was like getting out of a relationship with somebody who was like very very much like wanting to be with for a really long time and um, she did not want to be with me Uh, but she was also very like she frankly not emotionally stable right Um, and I wrote that song just sort of like as I was like sad of being, um, I, I look back at the song. I really like the song and what it means to me. Um, but like trying to like describe what it's about kind of makes me feel like an asshole. Cause I basically <laughs> wrote it, um, to say like, Hey, I still care about you. Okay. And like, if you need me to help you, mm-hmm. I'll be there to help you. Um, cause you know, she was not in the best place. I don't want to, I'm not going to talk about any of her personal shit, but, um, she had her own shit yeah Yeah. she had her own shit going on and uh i had been just basically still wanting to be with her so i spent every opportunity that i could like to be there for her when she needed somebody um and then you know you'd spend a lot of time being there for someone who is not spending any time being there for you and that's the moment where you're like oh this is a bad idea so this song (laughs) is more so about like wanting to be there for that person uh, no matter what like even necessarily like there's a line in the song um, that speaks to it very much, which is, uh, um, and when you called or when we called to ask if you're okay, you told me not to come over, but I did anyway. And that's basically like an actual situation where, um, she was telling me that like she was going to harm herself. Um, I know mm-hmm. it's like, you listen to the song, it's pretty happy and upbeat, but it's not really that happy. Um, and so she had told me don't come over, blah, blah, blah. Of course I did. I Thought she was going to be alone and wanted to hurt herself. And that's kind of where that line comes from. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't really know what else to say about that one. It's kind of a weird one. Right. So it's kind of coming from that like really intense and confusing emotional point of this isn't working. We're moving out of this relationship mm-hmm. and yet still kind of stuck in that. Yeah. And I've that al- intensity. I've always wanted to like be there for people that I care about. Right. And it's like I, I still really care about that person. And I, and I really, really cared about her at the time. And there was two sides of me. There was the side of me that was like, I'm going to be here for her because I care about her. And then there was the assholey side again, the part that I like feel kind of guilty about, which was the part that was like, maybe if I stick around for long enough, she'll see the error in her ways, you know? And I, I, which I think it's interesting that you like pin it as like a, the assholey side of mm-hmm. yourself. Cause I think that that's like one, one cool thing about music. And I think pop punk specifically is it says a lot of the stuff that we were all thinking, but everybody feels like it's like uncouth to say. No, was, and that's a really real emotion coming mm-hmm. out of a relationship is like, maybe if I just like continue to put this, this effort out there, then maybe things will turn around. And that's like a really real mm-hmm. thing that everybody goes I, through, I think. Yeah, I definitely think that a lot of people can relate to that. Right. Um, when I write songs like that, it's more so to just get it out of me. Right. Mm-hmm. Like uh, not even really about um, relating to other people, but I love it when people come to me and tell me like, oh, hey, I listened to this song that you wrote and this is what I thought it represented for represented for me. Uh, like example, like I'm on a Facebook, like pop punk page group. Thought I was going to burp. Um, I'm on a Facebook pop punk page group. And, uh, there was a guy that had posted, uh, this big long post about how he needed songs to listen to. Cause him and his girlfriend had broken up. And, uh, he explained the breakup is basically like she was in same sort of situation, very emotional and uh, not ready to be in a relationship and that she really cared about him, but she left the relationship um, to focus on herself. So he's really hurt by that. And me being, you know, like, hey, hey, I was like, oh, this song right here, while it's not about the same thing, 
like definitely hits that note in my opinion and he definitely agreed like i i showed him the song um and sent it to him and he was like wow that's really weird that like while it's not what you wrote it about it definitely (laughs) sounds like that's what it's about and so that's kind of the way that i like try to write songs is so that they're interpretable in different ways that's really good. No, I really like that it takes a certain amount of just heartbreaking bravery, sincerity mm-hmm. and honesty to be able to project yourself like that. And I feel like that's why so many people these days, especially, you know, as we're getting closer to like, you know, being older out of this phase of our life where, you know, you're dealing with situations like that, whether it's heartbreak or romantics. When you have honesty in your music like you do, Jesse, and sincerity, that can rope in any fucking listener. It's kind of the stuff you would probably imagine or hear with a band like like uh, hearing the song earlier and the way you kind of channel the meaning and the origin reminds me of modern baseball or like turnover even. And that's really cool. We're going to talk more with Jesse and Celine in just a moment. We're going to play you the song of the week from our artist of the week. This is Save Bandit and their song, John the Cougar Mellencamp, right here on the March and Mitch Show. The Cougar Mellencamp by Save Bandit. Joining us on the show is Jesse Tumalo, frontman for Save Bandit. Celine, what did you think of the song this week? I, I loved it. I'm honestly surprised that this is, like, no offense, I'm surprised that it's a local musician because it sounds, I mean, the quality is excellent. Uh, I love it. It's something that I would expect to hear on the radio. We were talking a little bit during the, the break about how, to me, it struck me a little bit brand new vibes. Like your favorite weapon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very, very your favorite weapon Dejan's vibes. Yeah, and how uh, the- we're, we're not allowed to like brand new anymore because they're canceled because he's a perv, but yeah. still very much an influence in some of our lives. It's definitely the guilty influence uh, of music that we've done. Absolutely. Would you say that brand new is kind of your guilty pleasure um, music? I, again, I don't really listen to them very often now. Like I mm-hmm. told you during the break, like I'd love to buy like, third-party vinyl so that I can listen to the songs when I want to, um, just in a way that I don't have to support them at all. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, the songs sort of speak true to certain ideas, or cer- certain parts of my life too much for me to never listen to them again, um, and that makes it kind of difficult, and I have friends who are the same way, and then I have other friends who are like, I will never listen to them ever again. 
So right, but yeah, no, I I loved it. I loved the influence because it mm. you know it's, it's a new song and it struck me as a new song, but it also kind of like picked that nostalgia bone for me. So yeah, I love it. Um, w- one question I had for you because you mentioned that Green Day was kind of one of your big initial musical influences. Was that like American Idiot era, or was that prior to American Idiot? I mean. That's a really good question. So because the thing is, is that when I was a kid, um, one of the earliest memories, and I'll, I'll be embarrassing about it, too, was um, being in the back of my dad or my brother's car. And any time that uh, brain stew would come on the radio. Fuck, yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> Love it. I would just be back there going, damn it. <laughs> damn it. Hey. Damn it. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, every, um, you just described me in the back of my parents' car. So yeah. Uh, but American idiot changed my life as far as, again, yes, that was around the time that it had come out. I think it was 2004 American idiot came out and I was still like pretty young. Um, in that angsty, super angsty moment in my life, like middle school angst and Mm -hmm. that album came out. It was one of the first CDs that I bought too. I remember walking to my middle school with my, uh, do you have your Walkman? Yeah, yeah. my, walk, my yeah. Walkman no-skip CD player. And I would time my walk to middle school so that I could listen to Jesus of Suburbia. Hell yeah. I'm in, I'm in tears right now. It you would can't, take, see, the, you it can't would, see me, but I'm crying. I feel it, like I was secretly Jesse when I was a kid. Like, <laughs> I remember like I had my cargo shorts and I would put my Walkman in the biggest pocket and I would listen to American Idiot. It was like exactly like a 10-minute walk from mm-hmm. my house to the school. So I would always be like, all right, if I play the song. Now I would walk up to like the front of the middle school and it would get hit the end of the song. You're like, leaving. Are oh, you leaving? Home, oh, damn, damn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> no, that's that's funny. And yeah, I feel like that's kind of my friend group all really got into American Idiot. And then from there we're like, oh, and then yeah, Brain Stew is great. Like everything off Dookie is great. And kind of launched into like good music from there. Um, my other question, cause Alex, Alex tasked me with two good interview <laughs> questions. So my other question, I don't know if it's a good one, um, is did you ever have like, especially when you were like young and just getting into music, did you ever have like a musical crush? Like either somebody that you were actually like into oh, or somebody that um, you were just like weirdly hero worshipped. So like obviously Billy Joe Armstrong, mm-hmm. uh, uh, <laughs> Billy so- Joe. Billy Joe. Um, especially when I was younger, um, I was very fascinated with him, and I spent a lot of time uh, on fan sites learning random facts. Um, don't try to ask me them now. That I was I was thirteen, uh, but you know I spent a lot of time uh, learning random facts about them. And um, but I think that it was more Trey Cool out of the Green Day members mm-hmm. that I was like actually kind of crushed on. And mm-hmm. I, like I'm pansexual. Um, Mostly, mostly into uh, cisgendered women, but I have, you know, feelings for uh, other mm-hmm. other as well. Um, uh, that was one of those moments when I was a kid that I was like, "What is this feeling that I'm having right now? Like, mm-hmm. why, why do I? Why am I so awkwardly attracted to this weird bird man?" <laughs> <laughs> um, he is a fucking weird bird man. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah that that's the mo- that's the biggest one that I can kind of think of. Fuck it. Um, well, it's kind of cool that you had that uh, that experience too, because I remember I was really into a Billy Joe Armstrong quote about bisexuality when I was into Green Day. Which I'm, did you see that quote? Um, you'll have to. I it think was I it was something I don't remember it exactly, but it was something to the effect of like I think I've always been bisexual. Mm-hmm. I think everybody is bisexual, and society just kind of steers us into thinking no, I can't do that, and so people shut down that that side of oh, themselves. Yeah. But that was kind of like the first that celebrity a- that I'd seen being like, "Hey, those feelings that you have that your mom said try to not focus on those; those are normal." Absolutely, completely normal. Um, I'm definitely the. I'm definitely on the side of that. It's a spectrum, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so for me, like I'm pretty far to the, you know, heterosexual side of the spectrum. But there's been small relationships and and feelings built. I mean, I also try to look at love as like just a general feeling as well. Um, like I don't even, like I know there's like differences between certain types of love, but like I love this guy. <laughs> I love you too, buddy. <laughs> Um, my first friend in Salem. <laughs> that uh, that was a better question than I thought it would be. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that was that was like a really cool uh, kind of slice into being a young person interested in music and seeing these people that it's like I don't know what this feeling is, but definitely made me braver when mm-hmm. I was younger to like be ex- not only just like for me to understanding who I was, but also be there for my friends who were more out mm-hmm. and be like there for them as like I'm not gonna let people treat you like shit because you're gay or because you're bi 
Um, yeah. That's really cool. Thank you so much for sharing. Word, word. I really dig it, Jesse. And yeah, meanwhile, um, if you ask me the same question, mine would be Linkin Park. And yeah, I was <laughs> like yeah. a favorite uh, story I've told on this show before is yes. how uh, when I was like 11, <laughs> I was obsessed with Chester Bennington and I wasn't allowed to go on the Internet by myself for a while because I got really into those like, I don't know if you remember those like Quizzilla or like <laughs> uquiz.com quizzes, but they were basically like personality quizzes that were basically just like. Uh, like steamy romance where you're like in it. Oh, I remember those. Yeah. So I, uh, my grandma found me taking a bunch of <laughs> quizzes about Chester Bennington oh, and the, my internet access was reevaluated. Revoked. <laughs> Not nearly as profound. I, I was really into Lincoln Park at one point. Um, rest in peace, by the mm-hmm. way. Um, but yeah, that new metal was an, another phase that I went through. Uh, we all went through it. <laughs> I think I like I felt so dorky because like on one hand, like I listened to like all the crap that all of my friends listened to, like all the bands that everybody was listening to, like Linkin Park, uh, when My Chemical Romance uh, got mm-hmm. big. Love like, MCR. Um, you know, all the all those bands, like people would talk about all these bands and I would listen to all the mainstream bands and then sort of branch out from them by finding other bands. Like this thing that I used to do when I was younger was just called like, I don't remember. I don't know what you would call it, but like just going on YouTube and like looking up one band and then scrolling through the videos that are like similar mm-hmm. and then just finding music. So that was a big part of when I was younger. Definitely. Fuck. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Alex, do you have any other questions for Jesse? Most definitely. Much like we all learn to appreciate each other and respect each other in like our LGBT plus community. I feel like a lot of people who find, you know, just different strength through being brave through uh, who they choose to love. A lot of people identify with that in just pop punk music and emo music. We learn to just find a community and we find the strength to just like love one another and like want to back each other up and like be good to our brothers and sisters and non-binary members of all of our communities and stuff. Uh, what what has it been like though with the community, the micro community of Save Bandits? So you have Carissa Bones on bass. We have Jeremiah Panky who plays lead guitar and rhythm guitar. <laughs> and we got SJ on drums. What does each member do for the band and how do you feel like your dynamic is all, all coexists in a way that makes you all better? For sure. Um, so our dynamic's pretty interesting. We've known each other for all, all known each other for a pretty long time. Uh, Steve, I've known since high school. He was in a metal band uh, that I used to go see all the time. Word. Um, and uh, called Zero Divide. Uh, they were cool. I thought they were fucking rad. I don't know how he feels about it, but. Um, and then uh, Jeremiah and Carissa uh, were in a band called Final Offense when. They were in like their early 20s. I was in my late teens. Uh, They were a band called Final Offense. Hardcore like punk band. uh, Street punk, I guess, would be the term. Sorry if I'm using the wrong term, guys. Um, (laughs) But like street punk. Um, And then there was a point where like we'd we'd all been kind of uh, friends for a long time. Uh, I was really, I'm still really good friends with, but I've known Carissa the longest um, since we were like basically kids. I mean. Uh, she was a little older than me. She's a little older than me. So like um, I was like maybe 13, maybe she was like 16 when I met her. Um, and like when I said earlier about how like I found this group of friends that go to shows all the time, like that's that that was basically that group um, going to shows all the time with them. And uh, a few years back, I think I want to say 2017, but it might have been 2016 when we started. I don't know at this point. I know it was a while back. Um, we'd all been talking about being in uh, being in bands when we started a band. Um, Word. And I mean, all out myself in this situation, I, I, I jumped on an opportunity um, knowing that they both really wanted to start a band. Um, to start a band, I had these songs that I had already written that I really wanted to make into full band mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and I knew that Jeremiah was a really good drummer, and I knew that he was a, a pretty good guitarist, too. I mean, he's much better than at guitar than I thought because I'd really only known him so much as a drummer. Um, <clears throat> sorry. Um <laughs> Yeah, we kind of all met. As far as like the vibe, um, the vibe is interesting. Uh, Maya and Carissa have been together for um, almost a year now. I think uh, actually probably a year now um, in a relationship. Um, and I thought, to be honest, sorry guys, I thought this was going to make a big difference in the whole vibe, but it really didn't actually. Um, it honestly made the vibe a little bit more comfortable because mm-hmm. um, I feel like once they started dating, we all started being a little bit more honest with each other about how we felt about certain things when it Word. came to the band. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, just to go into that question a little bit at a different angle to talk about music. So the way that we write our songs is Maya sort of 
gives us guitar tracks, right? Like, oh, I have this idea. I have this thing. I want to. I want you. I want you all to hear it. We listen to it. We go, fuck yeah, man, that's sick. And then it goes from there to like the next practice after we're given something. We'll all sit down, sort of hang out. I'll brainstorm kind of ideas of what the song means to me, or like how I feel about what's the music saying to me. Okay. Um, and Maya and Steve will sort of write the or what's the word my music theory brain isn't working right now they'll compose it sort of okay Mm -hmm. um and then based on kind of what they compose with a little bit of input from me and obviously carissa too um will form the song and then the lyrics will get written afterwards okay so it's that's fun for me um because it gives me the break of not having to like write the music part too Mm -hmm. because i grew up just writing songs in my bedroom right like on oh, like six string guitar yeah acoustic guitar in right my bedroom. so you're composing the entirety of yeah. like the brunt of what the sound song sounds like and so that gives me relief but at the same time it can be difficult to write to something someone else wrote right it has to like sort of speak to me so oftentimes they'll write a song and it takes me quite a while to write the lyrics right um that's my that's my biggest problem with the whole thing is like it just takes me forever sometimes to write um writer's block has been a problem and you know, like any good pop punk artist, you, you need a shitty breakup usually. It happens to the best of us. We're, <laughs> we're all depressed. We don't feel yeah. like doing anything ever. <laughs> um, oh, God. I, I, I do want to bring up um, that we are working on new stuff. and Fuck yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the um, the songs that we're working on right now, some of them are still a little old, uh, but just haven't been released. Like 2020 was kind of a big shock to us. There's a couple songs. Wait, did something s- happen in 2020? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, <laughs> but even 2019 was pretty hard on us, too. Um, we went through what we thought was going to be an actual breakup uh, for the band because oh, uh, oh, there was uh, drama going on uh, in personal lives, right? Word. Nothing really to do with each other, but just in own personal lives. And there was kind of this conversation where we all talked about it and we're like, yeah, we're going to break up. Um, and it's okay. It's going to be fine. Like, there's the reasons why. And then, um, like, it was, I think it was a week later, we had posted on Facebook that, you know, we were done. We were not going to do any more music and we were sorry. And then, like, a week later, um, we get back together and we're hanging out and the conversation was, you know what? Never mind. I've, I can deal with my shit. You can deal with your shit. We can deal with our shit and still do this. Um, and I think, honestly, that was kind of a point where the music turned around. I'm really excited about the new stuff, um, especially just like kind of the tone and sound. I feel like we're going a little, I want to say darker. I feel like they would not agree with me in, in the term of darker, but like more so just more melodic maybe would be the right word. You'll have to hear it. I'll, um, mm-hmm. I mean, I'll, I'll definitely let you know right away since it's it's being recorded right now, um, going in to do the vocals tomorrow. And, oh, fun fact, uh, you said that sounded really good. Uh, shout out to Steve. We do that all in his garage. In fact, That's that, song, hey. uh, that song was recorded. Um, everything was done in his basement. That does not uh, sound like a garage place. song. And he, did, he did the debut, that's he, impressive. the debut album too, right? Yeah, he did do the debut album. Now, him and I both agree that like this song just by itself, and I can't wait. Again, I can't wait for the new stuff because just it's night and day from the first album. Like, and I I love the songs on the first album. Um, I'm I'm the guy in the band that literally just loves every song, almost every song on the album. There's a couple that like I definitely love, but like they're kind of over. <laughs> oh, it's like that. I love, I love that. I would listen to that on Spotify all the time. And like, I would go to Jesse's shows and like, actually like know the lyrics and shit. And I'd be doing my favorite. This is my favorite pop punk trope. When you're a fan, I call it the angry pointing. You're just doing like, just like, you're just like your, your arm is like in a fucking Z. Just like, I vibe with these lyrics. Oh, you crush me. You kill me, man. I don't even want to talk about shows <laughs> that I always joked. Like that was my workout. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, That's not even a joke. You've seen, you've seen me on stage, and you know that I can't stop moving. Uh, I, I have pretty bad anxiety, right? Um, being on stage, it helps with the band. If I'm by myself, I can't like do it. Like I always have like a really hard time uh, with the band. I kind of let them just sort of like do what they need to do, and then I move. And there that's you how go. I get all my anxiety out while we're going. I move, um, and that's like the biggest compliment I ever got um, in regards to like my stage presence is the thing that people always bring up. They're like, man, you're always moving. I don't know how you do it. And I was like, I just don't (laughs) think about anything but the words I need to say and moving my feet. 
your body, <laughs> like, your body just goes automatic. Speaking of shows, I want to ask you, you know, for you and, and Steve and Carissa and Jeremiah, like what has got to be like the like the pinnacle? Like what is your favorite Save Banish show of all time? I've seen you open for uh, I'm Glad It's You and Glacier Veins, which was fucking sick. Like oh, I'll man. always be jealous that you got to open for I'm Glad It's You. I know you've opened for uh, Mom Jeans in the past, but to you yourself, what is like the pinnacle like of your Save Bandit career? Like what is your favorite show you've ever played? It doesn't have to be a huge one. It could be a basement show or a backyard show for all we care. But what's your favorite Save Bandit show you've ever played? Um. So I think the one that I'll always remember the most is going to be the Mom Jeans show uh, because Mom Jeans was a band that uh, we had found a few months, barely like less than a half a year before we ended up playing with them. Uh, and my friend uh, Victoria, they had uh, basically contacted the band. They were coming through and they were uh, going to be having an off day. Okay. And uh, my friend Victoria contacted them and was like, hey, would you play a basement show oh, in Salem shit. between your Eugene and Portland show? whoa okay um and they were a little hesitant at first but then we offered um you know to you know pay them uh it was an all-ages show uh and i remember um being told by some of the people that had come like hey we're so glad that you did this because these there were kids that couldn't go like mm -hmm. eugene was too far portland was too far but salem was perfect right um that's awesome and that show uh was great but we sucked <laughs> like, uh, we were barely a thing. Is it a basement show? Or is this a straight up basement show? Yeah, it was the basement okay. where we uh, had the shows and we sucked. Like, we played this song that is now scrapped, which I hate. Like, the, and I just, that's my biggest memory of that is like playing that song and being like, mm, I wish we didn't play that song because it wasn't really done. I didn't have any words, so I was kind of winging it. I was like, oh, we're just going to play this song. It's going to be cool. Um, they played a freaking phenomenal set after us, and I was like, oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, by the way, I mean, I doubt Mom Jeans is going to listen to this uh, podcast, but this is a fun part of that story as well. Um, the drummer had left his uh, drum throne. Oh, shit. We still have it. You forgot <laughs> your fucking throne? Really? Yeah. So here's the thing. Like, <laughs> they were all really nice. Um, they were pretty chill about the show, everything. They had dipped out uh, early because they needed to get to like their hotel in Portland or whatever. Word. Um, and they left the drum throne and uh, nobody had noticed until the next day. I like messaged them on Facebook using the contact info I had and I uh, told them, Hey, you left your drum throne. Uh, someone sort of contacted me and like asked me if I could meet them in Portland. I had no way of doing that at the time. I didn't drive. Okay. Um, so I had no way I literally like, I'm, I was trying to be nice. I was like, I'm going to ship it to you. Like, can I ship it to you? Like I will ship it to your house. I'll pay, you know, the shipping costs to ship it to your house. It's an expensive drum throne. Um, I never got a reply. Um, and I've never heard from any of them ever again. So oh. that's our drum throne now. It's <laughs> <laughs> not I, I I I do feel bad because it kind of feels like theft, but at the same time you there tried. was a, there yeah. was a conscious effort to give it back to them that they they didn't take. The moral was there and the effort was there. I'm sure um, I'm sure I'm sure Steve's happy messing with the drum throne. Let's move on to some more fun and goofy territory. I know Jesse is a big Nintendo fan. We're huge gaming fans. We love PlayStation, we love gaming. So we're gonna give you some fun questions now. Okay, look at it this way. Okay, it's the world of Pokemon. Celine is the Pokemon League champion. You get six Pokemon to oh, go man. in there. You get six Pokemon to go in there and take on Celine. What are the six Pokemon you're going to choose? Okay, so because I don't have the time <laughs> to use my brain to think of all of the more than first-gen Pokemon, I'm going to use mostly first-gen That's Pokemon. fine. Nothing's banned. You this, can use any Pokemon. This is something I have actually <laughs> thought about a lot, like what my Pokemon team would be. Um, and I'm going to start with a non-first-gen, actually second-gen. I'm lying already. Uh, Ampharos. Ampharos. Okay, the lightning um, sheep. Okay, Lightning sheep. Uh, one of my favorite Pokemon from the second generation. Also just a beast. Sweet. Yep. Um, uh, definitely uh, like Gyarados. Uh, I have a Gyarados on my arm. Hey. Shiny, oh, shiny Gyarados yeah. on my arm. Tattoo. Um, one of top, you know, top Pokemon. I think it's like one of a lot of people's top. That's still Pokemon. like one of the best. Like it's banned and competitive, but that's still like one of the best Pokemon, even today's standards. Like in generation eight, if you have Gyarados, you fuck shit oh, up. He's a, he's a beast. Definitely. So it's two. Okay. You're giving me six. Yep. Oh man, you're putting the pressure on me. Okay. Um, <laughs> oh man. You can call it good at three if you don't want to do six. <laughs> I'm trying to, uh, um, one Pokemon again, not a first gen. So I don't even know what I'm thinking about. One Pokemon that I really like that like gets shit on a lot. It, but I've been using it in my sword and shield walkthrough or walkthrough playthrough uh, and uh, 
trying to use it competitively, competitively but horribly, is uh, Ludicolo. Ludicolo! Ludicolo! <laughs> With the freaking sombrero and the palm yeah. tree doing the shaky dance um, and shit. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, I love... And then... Um, I guess I can think of one more. <laughs> There's always the... Oh, uh, actually, let's tie it back to Save Bandit really quick. Uh, one good. of our songs is called Haunter. Um, <laughs> a lot of Sweet. our song one of the new songs and a lot a lot of our songs have really long titles and then they have short titles right so like there's a dumb joke title that like i or we all just sort of made up and then there's like the title that we actually give it so like the song is called haunter uh the long form version of the song is haunter is my favorite pokemon <laughs> um so i i guess i can't not talk about pokemon without shouting that out too because um it's beautiful yeah it's beautiful so we are coming up, bumping up a little bit on time. Alex, do you have any last fun questions for Jesse before we go ahead and wrap up this portion? Last question, Jesse. What is the most pop punk cartoon and why? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> what is the most pop punk cartoon oh, man. and why? Uh, it's definitely a toss up uh, between Ed, Ed and Eddie. Okay. Suburbia. Um, <laughs> and Hey Arnold. Oh, Hey Arnold. I, uh, I would go with Hey Arnold if it was me. but I think Ed, Ed and Eddie is more like the neck deep pop punk <laughs> like hey mate like i don't know that was awful i'm never gonna do that again but um and then <laughs> hey arnold is more like the i'm always there for my friends kind of pop punk because that's arnold's thing he's always there for his friends that is fucking true shit and when i was younger like that i looked up to arnold when i was a kid watching that i was like man he really cares that show about had some friends. good messages and like that's like the core mm-hmm. rudimentary like foundation of pop punk is like being there for your friends being real <laughs> and and helping people like that really is the fucking foundation of pop punk. Okay, I was I was interested if you're gonna say maybe Danny Phantom <laughs> or maybe just maybe like uh, what's new Scooby Doo because they had some forty one. Oh man, <laughs> yes, the, the yep. simple plan intro. or simple simple plan. Yeah. My bad, my bad. Yeah. No, great show. Um, hey Arnold, I I think I you you've swayed me definitely. Hey Arnold, I would say hey. Ar- just see to me the crux of punk is. We may be struggling, but we love our family and we yeah. love our friends and our community. And Hey Arnold, to me, speaks to that. 100%. Uh, don't watch the movie without expecting to cry within like the first 10 minutes. I was mad. I was like, Good you pulled an up on me. <laughs> you made me cry in like the first five minutes. God damn it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much for all of that, Jesse um, and Alex, for all of your questions. Uh, let's go ahead and take a quick break and then we'll be back in a few minutes to discuss the absolute chicanery that's going on at the Capitol. <laughs> Get ready for current events with Celine Santa's Pond. All right, back in a second. And we're back to the Mark to Mitch show. Hey. We've got a few more things to wrap up with here. Uh, we are, again, very grateful to have Jesse on the podcast tonight. And for my piece, because I want to strike while the iron is hot, and I, I was tempted to just go with interviewing Jesse this, this evening, but I feel like it would be remiss for me as the current events person not to talk about the major current events happening. So I just kind of want to <laughs> Get some opinions, see, kind of put finger on the pulse of where we're all at as far as the nation as a whole. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the riots that have been happening at the nation's capital. I'm sure that a lot of our listeners are aware of what's been going on. It's been all over the news. It's been all over social media. Word. It's been tragic. It's been hilarious. It's been all over the place as far as the emotions go. And so I I don't have a lot of new information to introduce, Um, but I... Yeah, I just I just kind of want to talk about a little bit of all of the insanity going on because there's a lot going on right now. Um, so I, I I take you guys have been at least somewhat following what's been going on. So uh, this is my experience with it really quick. Uh, I had taken the day off to go to the dentist. I was very much um, the day that this happened. I had taken the day off to go to the dentist. I was very much thinking like, oh, they're going to see my teeth. They're going to go, we're going to have to pull that one. Mm-hmm. There's one in the back of my mouth that just hurts <laughs> constantly. Um, and I was expecting to get tooth pulled. I was expecting to have, uh, so I took the whole day off work. Um, and I didn't sleep very well the night before because I had anxiety about getting a tooth pulled. Um, I get home from the dentist, like kind of bummed that I didn't get a tooth pulled because like, I'd taken time off built up for nothing. So it's really tense. So I lay down on my couch. Next thing I know, it's uh, about two, three hours later. Um, and I wake up, look at my phone and I have a text from my girlfriend and she's just like, turn on the news. And so I don't watch. That's the never news. a good text I, to yeah, get. Right? Yeah. I don't watch the news. I read the news. Um, so I pulled up my phone and I pull up my little news app and start scrolling through. And I'm just like, Riders at the Capitol. What the fuck? Like, is it Godzilla this time? Please, be, please be Godzilla. Um, God. <laughs> hearing uh, 
hearing someone got shot, mm-hmm. like they were breaking windows. I saw um, later on, I had seen some videos, some, some crazy shit. And then there's all these people that were like, I don't want to go too far, man. Like that was like the intro to me was like waking up just like, man, every time I take a nap, every right. time I take a nap, I wake up to crazy shit going on in the world. <laughs> it's like sleeping is cursed yeah. these days. Um. I'm, I mean, I definitely, I'm just blown away. I think the thing that blows me away and, and uh, is the fact that all of these people are going to commit what is essentially, um, not even, it just is, uh, you know, terrorism. It's, it's a... It's, right, trying to scare uh, elected officials absolutely. and the public into doing the thing that they want. And they all do it with like a smile on their face, um, posing for the camera. Right, like the, I'm sure. Did you see that picture of the guy with the podium? Yeah, yeah. The yeah, stealing just the podium. Uh, what man bear pig? Plan. Man bear pig. <laughs> um, Jesse, is it just me or does like the fucking night deposit in downtown Salem have better security than the Capitol? <laughs> <Right. laughs> I saw this tweet that was like, uh, like name a place that has better security than the Capitol, and it was like just a picture of the baby formula section at Walmart. <laughs> I was like, that's fucking real. <laughs> Um, there's just there's so much fucking irony in what happened um like it's like i don't even know where to start and i I really don't want to focus on the upsetting parts of it because there's Mm -hmm. so much upsetting stuff here i can only focus on the funny parts because i'm trying to like basically freeze this traumatic moment in our nation's history in comedy so that i can remember it better and less horrific horrifically but i just like so at, at the risk of sounding like I'm making fun of the dead, and that's not what I'm doing. I just want to highlight the irony of everything that's happened. But I just have like a quick rundown of the folks that passed away at the Capitol and just all of the crazy rhetoric that's been going on about them. Um, so we have the woman that you mentioned, um, Ashley, Ashley Babbitt. Um, she was shot. She was the woman that we first heard of who had been like a victim of violence at the Capitol. Um, she was shot after she tried to be the first person to like breach where senators actually were. Like she was trying to get into the room where senators were. And so they were like, this can't happen. So she was shot. Um, the ironic bit is that two days prior on Twitter, she had advocated for bringing back the firing squad for treason. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Um, we also have Benjamin Phillips, who died of an apparent stroke who told a reporter on the way that this seems like the first day of the rest of our lives. Oh, man. It was not. (laughs) Um, Then we have Kevin Greeson, who died of a heart attack. And in my notes, I just wrote, Kevin Greeson, heart attack, balls, question mark, because he's the guy that people have been saying on Twitter tased himself in the balls. Yeah. What? While he was trying to steal a painting of Tip O'Neill and, like, tased himself so hard that he pissed himself and then slipped in his own urine and cracked his head and then had a cardiac arrest. That's how I want to go out. Um, And I honestly, I feel terrible for his wife because she's had to answer these rumors of did he tase himself Mm. in the balls to death? And so his his poor widowed wife has had to come out being like, no, he didn't tase himself in the balls to death. Yeah, um, I, I was still out on that whether that was real or not. Yeah, I know that is so far from what I've read. It does seem like that's entirely a hoax. Like it, yeah. it sounds like he did just straight up have cardiac arrest due Some, to the excitement of the moment. But it, the jury is still out if he had a taser. He definitely didn't taser himself in the balls until he slept in his own urine and died. Like that didn't happen. <laughs> um, what a, what but a, what a way to go, though. What a way to go. What a, way to go. What a legacy. Uh, Then we've got Roseanne Boyland, who was trampled to death, and she, at the time, was wearing a Don't Tread on Me flag. Oh, Oh, no. Um, And I want to say that her brother-in-law actually came out, you know, saying, you know, we acknowledge that our family member has passed. Um, This has been a terrible thing. And her brother-in-law actually came out on national television and said that we should invoke the 25th Amendment to remove Donald Trump from office because he incited the riot that led to her death. Um, and then finally, we've got Brian Sicknick. And this is just a really fucking sad one. Like, I'll no no one's ever accused me of being like, woo, cops. But Brian Sicknick is the officer who was bludgeoned to death. And one of the really sadly ironic pieces of his death is that, according to reports, a lot of people before he was bludgeoned, people at the protest were coming up and they were showing him their own police badges saying, you know, they were protesters showing up and showing their police badges saying, hey, we're doing this for you. Stop trying to stop trying to stop us. We're doing this for you what? and continued to make these types of claims while they were murdering him. 
so that's a that's a really just objectively sad irony, but it is crazy just thinking so many of these people were at back the blue rallies and said, you know, blue lives matter and and fuck black lives matter. And then as soon as they're put in a situation where the police are like, no, but you still have to follow the law. Yeah. This happens. I, that is one of the main things that just absolutely blows my mind. Uh, the like cognitive dissonance for the situation mm -hmm. of just thinking so much that you're right, that you're willing to completely ignore the things that you're saying are the reasons why you believe this way. Right. Like you're, you're the, you support the police and you love America, right? Th those are like the things that you, you know, those right, law and order law and order. And, and like, you're the ones that then go storm our nation's capital after, by the way, basically being told to by our president, but whatever. Right. Um, <laughs> like, and they think that that was the right thing to do. And it, I think it's a fantasy or uh, one commentator that I, I, I listened to who I won't, say his name mentioned uh it's kind of like larping for them right yeah They're taking a larping experience way <laughs> exactly. too far right like and actually the fbi reports because they're expecting pretty serious violence on the inauguration day so fbi reports are are basically saying look the capitol police need to recognize that these people are living in a fantasy but if they're met with a solid and consistent show of force or just you can't do this then that will kind of shatter the fantasy. And I think it's really interesting that what you're identifying is the exact same thing that the FBI just identified. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's good to know that I agree with the FBI, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I look at it like, I don't think all these people are awful, terrible people. What I think is that they're disenfranchised people who have certain beliefs mm -hmm. that they were instilled into at a younger age, and they don't stray from those beliefs. And when you don't allow yourself to learn, um, about the opposite like if you don't allow yourself to be challenged uh, by beliefs then this is where you end up mm -hmm. um, I'm well, and sure and if we don't invest in our education system yeah. at all to help them and be willing to learn more things yeah I would like to see um, once everything ends hopefully I mean if there's not a, a civil war which we keep joking about I don't I don't think it's going to happen um, honestly if, if it does then I guess I'm wrong but one of the I things, really, really hope you're right. Yeah. Um, one of the things I hope to see is maybe some deprogramming, right? Um, I really feel like it is a cult. Mm -hmm. um, and just helping these people get out of this cult, right? And some of them have, I mean, and not to shout out TikTok, but like a lot of my TikTok feed is political. Don't know how it happened. Um, but a lot of my TikTok and the reason why I even use TikTok is, is some political stuff. And I've noticed a lot of people are on there who are like ex-Trump supporters who are on there saying like, hey, you know, we're wrong. Oh, that's interesting. And that's oh, been okay. happening for mm -hmm. a few months now. Um, there was people who were like throwing out and tearing up their Trump flags after he lost, like accepting, mm -hmm. you know, the loss and sort of being like, hey, there's some people that are like, hey, you know, I'm still a supporter, but I understand that he lost and I'm going to move on. There's some people who are like, I don't know who I was when... Uh, mm -hmm. there's a guy on YouTube who I don't remember his name, um, at all. I watched like a 20 minute video, uh, where he kind of explained where like he fell down, uh, the, uh, alt-right pipeline is the right. term that I really like, uh, where he started out just sort of being on like gamer forums when he was like 16, right. 17. And that's where it started. He was like on these gamer forums. Like it scares me to think about like, that's how it started because that's, that was me when I was younger. So, like, if I was just a little bit younger than I am now, who knows how I might have been able to be influenced by yeah. people on the Internet. Um, my family got lucky because my my little brother, uh, who I, I won't say his name because I don't want to associate him with uh, with this anecdote. But for a while, he went into that exact same kind of pipeline of he was in gamer forums and all of a sudden just started to to think, well, like, you know, saying hurtful words don't matter and started to get into that kind of alt-right mentality. And he never really told us how much he was into it until a few years later when I was like, man, I'm so glad that you stopped flirting with the alt-right. And he was like, I wasn't flirting. I was indoctrinated there for a second. Yeah. And just, you know, thankfully he happened to change, you know, something occurred that changed where he was at. But yeah, it was really interesting hearing him, you know, this kid that I've always loved. He's he's my baby boy. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I love this kid. Just hearing him articulate that he was very nearly accidentally influenced at a very young age into 
this pretty terrifying ideology is is crazy. Absolutely. And they get you um, when you're the, the people that they go for are, you know, the nerdy kids who feel like they don't have any friends. Oh, um, they don't really have much to do uh, to shout out the YouTuber. I just remembered his name. Uh, different. Actually, different YouTuber. He does a whole series. Innuendo Studios is a YouTuber. He does a series called uh, the Alt-Right Playbook. And it's great. It just details very vividly on the practices and what they do and like what we mm -hmm. see happens um, on the Internet and even in social experiences where we begin. Because I've always been the kind of person that like I want to hear your side. Like I want to know why you think that I don't agree with you. Um, and there's really no chance you're going to make me change my mind. But I want to understand why you feel that way, because I want to know how you got there. Because mm -hmm. I can't imagine how you got there. But then again. Put, but me, you in did, the, put so. me in the right place at the wrong, like the wrong place at the wrong time. And that might've been me when I was younger. Like I, I'm, I'm not ashamed to admit that when I was 15, a uh, kid on the bus uh, showed me 4chan uh, <laughs> oh. and I didn't spend a lot of time on it because my first experience was just awful. Uh, oh, he was like, don't, don't go to 4chan. Don't do it. Just don't do it. But he told me about it. So I was like, all right, I have to do it. That was my and experience was like, with 4chan nope, too. Was somebody was like, don't go to 4chan. And I was like, okay, go into 4chan. <laughs> and like, had I been, had I'd become more wrapped up into that, who knows the kind of person I'd be now. Um, I focused more on like the music stuff, right? Like it focused on right. the music scene. And, oh, I'm you know. so glad we've got music Jesse tonight. Not so, yeah. right, Jesse right. tonight. so much diversity that I saw in the punk community. Um, and honestly, not really here in Salem. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna out Salem pretty bad, but especially ten years ago when I was going to shows all the time, there was no fucking diversity. Uh, there was uh, I didn't notice it because I was just a young white kid, right? Like I, I didn't really notice it. But as I get older and I think about the stories that like the older um, generation tells me about town and stuff, there was really not that much diversity in the music scene when I was younger. There's still really not that much diversity in the Salem music scene. Um, I feel like it's all white dudes. <laughs> <laughs> It is. Um, there are some really good uh, uh, female musicians, um, non-binary musicians in this town, and I feel like they don't get enough shout out. I'm sorry. I can't think of any right now, like right off the top of my head, and that makes me f feel kind of mean to say it. But yeah, no, I know tons of musicians in this town who Which that does speak to really do try to put themselves out there mm -hmm. um, and don't get the recognition that they should. Yeah, I mean, I was just going to say that speaks to the fact that it's difficult to make it as a you know, not cis white male musician in Salem probably is that even though you're in the scene, you can't off top think of these musicians. Yeah, I feel bad because I mean, like I, I'm kind of on the spot with it. I didn't really think about like it. So it's not there, right? Like I'm I can't think of any names. I'm sure if I said well, we'll be looking forward people, next so. next episode, we'll be looking forward to once Jesse's had a chance to, <laughs> to sit and think about like who the people we should mention are. Right. I think that we can have some uh, some good quick little features on the next episode. Absolutely. Um, again, digression, but back like back on the topic. It, to me, it really just I really hope that we can see better uh, futures for people who are wrapped up in this. And I know that mm -hmm. there are um, folks who are not going to see a better future and are not going to be changed. And honestly, those people all power to them to believe what they want, but their beliefs hurt other people. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm not OK with that. So fuck them like. Right. There's a point where it's like there's there's people who have enough still compassion and humanity that we can say, yeah, you know, we, we can build some type of a relationship. We don't have to agree, but we can kind of come to an understanding of of how to eventually agree. And, that's, and then there's the people who believe that they should take zip ties and guns to Congress to try to arrest Nancy Pelosi. I think that's how you change people's minds. You don't. I'm all for you. Don't it. be that guy. Yeah. I'm all for, you know, punching a Nazi. Like, fuck yeah, let's punch Nazis. Punch Nazis. Um, but there, and especially fucking Richard Spencer. Oh my God. Oh, yeah. Um, but there are people in this, uh, in that community that are just normal kids. There's right. little kids, like little kids who are delved so deep into the internet culture that they just think that racism and white supremacy is part of the internet culture. And that's scary. I, yeah. I, no, that's, that's, that's terrifying. I, I, I thought I wasn't going to have a lot to say about this. And then, like, <laughs> I do actually. This conversation is me. Like, I want to have a podcast with just you, Jesse, just so <laughs> we can, like, shoot the shit for an hour about, like, political things. I'm definitely down to come this back to that. Again, like I said off, off the mic, I'm not good, very good with the verbiage, but I know what I believe, right? And, like, I know how I feel about it. So I. Well, no, and I, I feel like too. you've articulated your 
your stance and your your views on this very articulately. And yeah, no, I, I appreciate everything that you're saying because I great think great job, Damon. Yeah, no the 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 plight of the online indoctrination of young people is is a real one, and it is a reason that we should have compassion for for people. Absolutely. Um. Yeah, we are unfortunately bumping up against our show time. So we should probably go ahead and wrap up. But Alex, do you have any final uh, final thoughts, final things that you want to say and leave us with? Celine Santos Pond, thank you so much for keeping us updated in our current events with all the shenanigans, irony, and crazy shit happening at our Capitol. Jesse, thank you for sticking around for both parts of our show. Absolutely. Offering thank your you. point of view and contributing. Uh, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show. Um, from the time I've met Jesse to where we are at now, it's been nothing but brotherhood, friendship, and constantly inspiring each other to better ourselves through the power of music. Celine Santa's Pond, and as always, our showrunner and producer, Mitchell Herring, thank you so much for being here tonight. Be sure to check out John the Cougar Melon Camp by Save Bandit. Check out Save Bandit on Spotify, Apple Music, and all the streaming platforms. It's been a real pleasure to support your local music scene. Go out there, guys. Back Please. when, assuming, assuming we get to have shows again, but uh, the least bit, guys, uh, go to your local record store. Buy music from record stores, buy your friends' album, and stream and listen to all the music we have in our great community. Please wear a mask so I can play shows again. Yeah. Wear, wear a mask so we can play shows again. Please. Let's not COVID anymore. Right. I've gone from playing a free song acoustic set in Jesse's apartment to having my own podcast, having a great three piece band that I love and appreciate, and having some of the best friends in my life around me, including you, Jesse. Thank you so much Thank for being so here much. tonight. Please check out Save Bandit. That's Pacific Northwest punk right there. This has been the March and Mitch show starring Celine Stans Pond. Big shout out to Jesse Tumalo. Thank you for joining our show. This has been our show and have a great evening. Signing off. Thank you guys.